Hello and welcome to the MGMA Insider Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. Today I'm speaking with Shelley Wagner, Vice President of Human Resources at MGMA. Shelley's here to discuss generational trends in the workplace and the new talent paradigm. Shelley, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Dan. You've been with MGMA for 19 years. For our listeners, what's something that's interesting to you that's changed over time and maybe something that stayed the same regarding workforce employment culture in our industry? That's a great question, Dan. Um, I think certainly we've seen a lot of technological advances in the workplace, and I think every time you add something new from a technological standpoint, you see um, the workplace have to make some type of of change and an adjustment of some kind. But more than anything, what I would say is that because of that, the workforce has really requested to be more flexible than ever before. And so what used to be work-life balance, that was the, the hot term and that's what resonated with staff, I think what we found over time is that uh, that's no longer the case. Work-life integration has really become the norm, and that's because we can be connected wherever we are, 24-7, 365 days a year. Now, has that been the biggest differentiator, do you think, in watching it over time, that technology has just offered, I guess, flexibility, for lack of a better word? It, it absolutely has. I think the the reality is, is that we'll continue to see how techn- uh, technology augments what we're doing even from a staffing perspective. We're starting to see more AI, the artificial intelligence piece that's coming to play um, this day and age. So I think as we continue to move forward in the next several years, we'll continue to see an increase in that from a a technology perspective. On the flip side of that, what has stayed the same? I mean, you you have, at the end of the day, you have people, you have work that needs to be done. So what has stayed the same? You know, I think more than anything, um, you know, I think in terms of people being part of a culture, I think people, you know, want to be paid well. They want to do a good job in terms of the work. They want to know what's been expected of them so that they can perform well. Um, and I think just for us on the healthcare side, we've always been a bit challenged in trying to retain key talent. I think that's certainly um, still the case this day and age. Now we're facing a real shortage in the industry, um, but in terms of, of keeping, retaining key talent, I think that continues to stay the same. Now, we're at a, a really unique place in workforce employment. Uh, we are at historical unemployment rates. I think we go back all the way 50 years to 1969 as a number that I've seen quoted as far as unemployment rates. We also have, uh, an aging workplace. You know, we have people who um, are staying on. They're, they see their use. They, they're not ready to retire. So that's added a really interesting situation in the workplace. You've done a lot of research on this topic. You've summarized it in a presentation that you've put together called the New Talent Paradigm. What is that? How do you define the New Talent Paradigm? I think it it goes back to what I um, started to talk about a few minutes ago, and that is just that we have seen really a shift in the market from not just being able to find the right talent and keeping those talent, but it really is about a shortage. And so, you know, we found ourselves a few decades ago talking about talent as being a war on talent. And really, with national unemployment at this all-time low and thinking about 10 thousand baby boomers that are retiring every single day, 
the reality is is that we can't keep up with it and we need to fundamentally shift what our approach is to looking for talent in the workplace. Um, our new reality is that it's a new talent paradigm. We're in a, a different world that we haven't experienced before and we really do need to embrace it so that we can stay ahead of it. Okay. Now, we were talking about we've got the baby boomers are continuing to work, but we have these other generations that are also in the workforce. We've got the boomers, the Gen Xers, the millennials, Gen Z. We're always kind of putting them out there like, you know, in their own box. This is this generation. They're very different from these other generations. So talk about that a little bit. What are some of the key differences in those different generations? Sure. I, you know, I think the reality is, is that each generation learns from the generation before us. And whether it's we want to try to do something different than what we saw in our own parents um, and, and not want to emulate the same exact way of being, um, I think that partly has contributed to the, the different changes. When we think about baby boomers, really uh, from their perspective, the time that they spend at work, um, would equate to them being a hard worker. That was what was valued, how much time I spent there. And baby boomers were really have looked for just status. They, they wanted to make it to the top. They wanted to be some, somebody from that perspective, and they would sacrifice their family time for that. Um, I think you, you move from the baby boomers into the Gen Xers who said, wow, I see how hard they work. I want to be I want to work hard, but I also want some kind of balance in my life, and what will that look like? And so Gen Xers were the first to start to push against that to say, we really want work-life balance, and you saw that trend uh, start to come forward in the marketplace. And then uh, the millennials entered the workforce, and unfortunately they've gotten a bad rap, and um, you know, the reality is, is that they really are looking to their leaders to give them guidance. They have an expectation um, of, Gen Xers teaching them how to do something. And frankly, they expect to be paid for what they do, not necessarily how much time they spend doing it. So they have a real push and pull of the traditional work environment that the baby boomers still love, that the Gen Xers are trying to push against. And they're saying, hey, I can work anywhere, anytime. As long as I get the job done, what, what does it matter? And so you start to see sort of that transition. And, and then Gen Z, they're kind of almost doing a full circle um, from generations in that they really have this entrepreneurial type of mindset. They, they are very eager to work, um, but they no longer want just a job. They, they want to change the world. They want to make an impact. They want to know what their purpose is. Um, otherwise, they don't want to be part of it. So it's, it's really fascinating to watch. Um, but I think you know, what we find in all of this is that there are definitely more similarities than there are differences. Right. And I wanted to touch on something that you said, uh, you know, the baby boomers were set up and to, you know, working hard was kind of identified them. And I think part of corporate America has reshaped it as well, because um, I'm one of the very first Gen Xers, you know, just missed the cutoff on baby boomers to Gen X. And I knew the people who were my mentors in my first couple of jobs, they had started at say one job and they never left it. Jobs were, you had that sort of security in the workforce where you got a job, 
you stayed there and you got the gold key and you retired. Um, Gen Xers, we're kind of this forgotten um, generation, you know, because we're, we're sandwiched in between the baby boomers and the millennials that are these gigantic generations. We're a smaller generation, but we're also kind of known as the slacker generation. You were kind of trying to, what's our purpose, you know, and all that sort of thing. But I did want to ask you, did what role did corporate America, I guess, play in that as well? Because, you, you know, you, again, you had those those big Fortune 500 companies, people would get a job there and they just, or a factory, whatever it was, and they stayed there for 35 years and then they retired. So has that played a role in it as well? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the workforce in general has had to adjust, meaning that, you know, I think as time has gone on um, and as Gen Xers have, had started to enter the workforce, they really had an expectation of more balance. And what we started to see is when they weren't getting what they wanted, then they said, okay, well, I don't need to stay here. I'll go to the next thing. And so they really started that evolution of, of starting to move jobs. We also saw a big transition also in the market when it came to traditional pension plans. So if I'm even going back from a benefits perspective, it was um, something that was the norm, if you will, for the baby boomers is part of working there for that period of time was the idea that they'd have a pension through their retirement. Well, the reality is, is as we've seen um, life expectancy rates changing, um, people staying in the workforce for a much longer period of time, it wasn't a sustainable business model. And so essentially organizations were having to shift from this pension plan to more of a, a 401k defined contribution type of piece where they started to transfer the risk from them as the employer to the employee, um, which meant there really was no golden key, if you will, dangling at the end of the road. And I think that just opened up opportunity to start to, to make some shifts. Yeah. Now, we, <laughs> when we talk about the generations, we seem to always talk about the differences, but are there similarities that transcend generations? We can't all be that different, can we, or are we? <laughs> you know, I think just as human beings, right, we all have this need um, kind of as a fundamental from a Maslow's hierarchy of needs to have a sense of belonging. We all want that feeling of, of security, being part of something that, that's bigger than us, whether we recognize that or not. We all want to be recognized in some capacity. Now, if we look at different generations, we may choose to have that differently, meaning maybe a baby, baby boomer wants the one-on-one -on -one opportunity to be recognized, where a Gen Xer may want to be recognized in front of a whole staff meeting. So I think it's, it's about tailoring how we do things with each individual employee that, that is really the difference. But at the end of the day, I think every one of these generations just really want to do a really good job, make an impact, and be recognized for the work that they do, um, all along having a sense of security along the way. Okay. Now, we've, we've both brought it up a couple of times here. There is an aging workforce. People are working longer than ever before. What are the main factors of that? I know people live longer. Maybe that plays a role in it. Maybe it's finances. What are some of those key indicators and factors keeping people working? Yeah, I think you just kind of started to name a couple of them. One certainly is life expectancy. As that has increased, um, certainly people are staying in the workforce a bit longer because they understand that 
they only have saved so much for retirement and maybe they don't have that extra decade that is uh, necessary for them. I think the other piece um, that really goes under-recognized is just that the traditional benefit, if you will, for Social Security, that age keeps moving. And um, this day and age when healthcare costs are so substantial for individuals, there are so many of the baby boomers that are staying in the workforce simply to afford healthcare. Okay. One of the things that I think about, and I've seen some statistics on it, when we originally set up our retirement plan and Social Security, you know, that sweet spot of say 65, that's when people kind of, I'm shooting to 65 to retire. At the time, I saw some statistics on this, people were living uh, on average till around 68 or so. So that's three years in retirement and then you pass away. Now people, I mean, they live until 80, 85, 90. When you think about it that way, let's say you've mapped out your retirement. I'm gonna sail around the world. I'm gonna do all these things. Okay, you've done that. And then two years later, you still have 25 years where you're gonna be alive. And you're going, whoa, what am I gonna do to fill, not only to pay for things like you're talking about, but what in the heck are you gonna do for 25 years? You kinda almost have to find a second purpose, you know, a purpose after work. So have you done any research or thought about that at all? I, I actually have, and I think it's a very interesting um, trend in the market. Um, I actually have watched my father do this exact thing, um, you know, having an opportunity to be in the workforce for, you know, 30-something years, and you come out and, you know, you go from working sort of full force, if you will, giving back to, to the work that you're doing, that to just immediately stop working um, is really hard for individuals, and so we are seeing more and more of the boomers that have, um, and even the traditionalists that have left the workforce that are re-entering in some capacity um, because they really do want to have a sense of purpose. They, they want to be able to get up every day and know exactly you know, what their role is. Um, when it used to be a few years, yes, they would travel and, and do some of those fun things, um, but I think they're starting to get more creative about what that looks like. So. Um, I think just to answer your question a little bit more, I have seen a number of alumni type of networks where you'll see groups starting to mentor staff within organizations um, and giving back in that capacity. You see um, more of that group volunteering or serving on boards for a longer period of time to give some, some you know, guidance, if you will, and, and to share some of their um, their knowledge. So we are definitely seeing more of a trend of that in the workplace and it's something I think we should start to embrace as employers. Yeah, absolutely. So there's something in your presentation, it does touch on that. Um, you quoted a survey that found that nearly one-third of HR professionals report they're working without a training budget. And so, wow, how do you fill that gap? Because we keep talking about older employees working even longer, but let's be realistic, there are a lot of them retiring. And so there can be that knowledge gap. We're also looking at, as I just mentioned, at some places a low training budget. What can be done? How do we train these younger generations, bring them up to speed? Is, part of it is what you're talking about, mentoring. What are some of the programs or things that are being done out there? 
Yeah, I, I think absolutely mentoring is is a big thing, and I, I think there's a reality that um, baby boomers want to be part of that. And so, you know, oftentimes we as um, employers are starting to push them out of the organization as they get closer to that retirement age. And the reality is we need to take a different um, lens at that. We really need to think about how do we engage them in a different way and leverage what their strengths are from an institutional knowledge perspective and start to do some knowledge transfer there. Um, but I think just in general, when it comes to training budgets, when you find that they're, they're low in, in certain organizations, and it has become a real challenge um, because it is one of the first things that goes when you work on budgets. But I think just thinking about how do you provide opportunities for job shadowing, meaning giving employees an opportunity to work side alongside another person that might be more senior than them, um, to observe what they're doing from a work perspective, to um, create that connection. I think um, the other piece that sometimes we forget about is there are lots of free resources available. And how do we optimize those resources in the market, whether it's things like this, podcasts that might be available, news articles that you can read, um, different lists you can get on, LinkedIn groups that you can join. I think there's a whole host of information that is sitting at our fingertips today that if only our leaders would help to encourage us to you know, connect with, um, I think we'd be you know, well off. I think the other piece is just how do you give opportunities for different projects? Maybe you give your um, employee a small project to start, give them a little bit of feedback, and um, mentor them through the journey of taking something on from start to finish. And then lastly, I would probably just say um, there are lots of volunteer opportunities outside of the workplace. And those volunteer opportunities not only provide an opportunity to give back, but to also connect with others and create a network of people that are like you um, that may also help to mentor you along that journey. So those are a few ideas when you're limited. Uh, certainly, I'm a strong proponent of investing in a training budget. However, I understand that sometimes it's just a financial uh, strain on a practice. Sure. Um, any final thoughts on what companies can do to really play up to the strengths of each generation? We've identified that each of these generations does have some unique qualities to them. So what can practices do to, to really identify that and then play up to those strengths? Yeah, I think exactly that. I, I think it's really thinking about how do you think about the strengths that each generation brings to the table and how do we leverage those to um, have the best possible workforce today. And you know, I think sometimes we think we have to boil the ocean and you know, my recommendation is to, to think about starting small. What are, what's one to two things maybe you could do differently tomorrow than today and um, try to make that a habit. And once you see some success from that, then move on to a couple of new things. But I think sometimes we, we don't start because it seems too overwhelming, it seems too big. And so start small. Uh, start to leverage those strengths and, and do what you can right where you are today. Right. And I did want to ask you one last thing. Um, are there particular trends that you're seeing right now? I mean, you were talking earlier, you've, you've been in this, in this business 19 years. You've seen a lot of things change due to technology. But are there other things right now that are taking place that you're seeing trends in workforce employment or organizational culture, anything like that? 
Yeah, I mean, I think there has been a tremendous focus on um, employee engagement in the workforce today. That has certainly been a strong trend out there, and I think it's something that we continue as employers want to optimize. Um, you know, I think the reality is the more engaged and invested an employee is to your organization, to your practice, um, we see that on the other side through customer experience, through patient experience, et cetera. And so I think that's, that's a big trend in the marketplace. From a talent um, perspective, yeah, it's going to continue to be a challenge. Um, I think the reality is when unemployment is low, even your top performers consider looking elsewhere. And so I think it's a good time to make sure that you're connecting with those people that are really important to your business and take the time to find out, you know, are they liking what they're doing and is there anything else you could do to help them and how can you support them in the go forward? And I think when you, you have the opportunity to have conversations like that, um, I think the richer the experience uh, for you and for the employee. Okay. Now you had mentioned something, employee engagement. What does that look like? I know that we do a lot here at MGMA. We do a lot of employee engagement, but what does that look like for our listeners? That's a great question because I think there is a lot to be said about what is employee engagement. And so I think just from a fundamental perspective, I, I think about employee engagement being the discretionary effort that an employee is willing to give uh, to the work that they do. And so even if we think about it from ourselves, our own lens, what is it that makes us excited about what we're doing? How do we go, what makes us want to go above and beyond? And um, I have really found from a lot of the research that I've done that at the end of the day, it comes down to the manager. And we hear that, you know, employees often when they leave, they don't leave organizations, they leave their boss. And um, it is a true reality that the, the manager is really that day-to-day -day contact that has the opportunity to encourage, to motivate, and um, to help grow the employee uh, where they are. And so I think just being mindful of what are the things that, that motivate that individual, finding out what they are, um, and I would say asking the question. You know, I think sometimes we want to guess what it looks like for people, and the reality is is that it's not the same for every individual employee. And so meeting people where they are, understanding what motivates them, understanding um, what they'd like to do more of or less of, and, and trying to ta tailor as much as you can um, towards that end, I think really optimizes that engagement level. Yeah, I, I would say just based on this conversation that there's never been a bigger challenge for organizations because people are so unique in exploring their own personalities and their own interests. And so to cater to each one of those is, is a challenge, but it's, I think it's made organizations better because then you free up the individual let their true personality and strength shine rather than you have to fit into this. Is that right? I mean, you know, when I think about just people in general, I mean, it's, it's as much a strategic endeavor as anything else you do from a business perspective. And it takes a lot of thoughtful intentionality in the work that you're doing every day. But, you know, taking that couple of minutes every day just to even engage with your employees is half the battle. And so if we could start again small and do some of those easy things to make sure that employees feel acknowledged, appreciated, and part of the organization, the better off we all are. Yeah. 
All right. Well, Shelly, thanks so much for this. This has been a great conversation. And thanks for joining the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks again to Shelly Wagner for those insights. MGMA members can access more resources on this and many other topics on the resources page on MGMA.com. In addition, Career Pathways is the most convenient and effective way to take your next step in the medical practice field. MGMA works directly with numerous hospitals, private practices, and healthcare facilities across America. If you're looking to take this next step, you can browse thousands of job openings in MGMA's job board today at mgma.com findjob. Thanks again for being an MGMA Insider. I'm Daniel Williams.